Amen. If you turn with your Bibles with me this evening to Colossians chapter 3, and we're we'll going to be reading verses, uh, one, the first four, four verses, Colossians chapter 3. It's a uh, familiar passage, but if you would, if you would stay with me as we read God's Word this evening, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4, I'll be leaving out the, uh, reading out the New Living Translation this evening. It says this, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this evening. We pray that, Lord, you would speak clearly to all of us here today. Lord, I am nothing, Lord, without you, Lord. I pray today that I would decrease so that, Lord, you could increase. Lord, let your word come forth, Jesus, and touch us and, and go to the very depths of our heart. Lord, we love you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Over the last several weeks, we have been on a series of being kingdom-minded and uh, this passage, or this message is something that me and Scott had talked about uh, several weeks ago when we went to uh, Shreveport, Mosier City, with the youth uh, to Winter Jam there. And this was a, a message the Lord put in my heart for, for not just us, I believe, as an individual, but as, bodies of, as a body of Christ. And the title of this evening's message is, To Be Kingdom-Minded, We Have to Set Our Thoughts on What's Above. To Be Kingdom-Minded, We Have to Set Our Thoughts on What's Above. Some would say that our minds can be a dangerous place. In reality, for many, it is. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if your minds are a dangerous place because I don't want to go to the truth there. Amen? But to put it in a nutshell, our mind is a crucial place when it comes to decisions and choices we make. We all would agree that while we make choices, whether simple or extremely hard, it is amazing that what our mind can actually do. Scott and I can tell you what the job that we are, and also I'm pretty sure that Brother Travis can tell you as well, with the job that he has, that we sometimes have to make important decisions. There are decisions that can really alter what we do, that can change the uh, whole atmosphere or the situation we're in, especially with what me and jo uh, Scott do with the water district. We've got to make sure the water is always proper. We've got to make sure it's actually able to be drinkable, what they would call potable water. But if we would not, if we did choose not to use our mind, we could really mess the whole thing up, right? We can make it to that water probably is extremely bad and where it's not even drinkable. At the same time, we have to understand that with our mind, it is an crazy thing how much really goes through our mind each and every day. There are statistics, which I don't know offhand, but we make thousands of decisions every day and thousands upon thousands of decisions every week. Our mind is a crucial, crucial place. We have all probably heard one way or another how the mind is a constant battlefield. There is always a battle of right versus wrong, what we want to do versus what we should do. But what about developing a mind that is kingdom-oriented, meaning that we begin to develop a mind that is not only the mind of Christ, but a mind that thinks like Jesus. We know that the mind is a battlefield. We go through it every day. We battle right versus wrong, what we want to do versus what we should do. We just sometimes fall into traps of, falling into what our carnal minds desire versus what God has intended. There may be moments in your life where all of a sudden you know that God has spoke to you to do a certain task or to speak to someone's life. 
But the battlefield of the mind is the fact that we know that we should do that. But at the same time, sometimes we feel as though we're not equipped to do it or we just don't want to do it. We go against what God has called us and asked us to do. The battlefield of the mind. The mind is a very dangerous place. A lot takes place in your mind. In the decisions and choices we make because it alters exactly what we do. It is one thing to have the mind of Jesus and and to think like Jesus. To have the mind of Jesus is to develop what is good and wrong. Sin and what is not. Live, living life the way that God wants us to rather than our old ways. But having the ability to think like Jesus is completely different. What I mean by this is this. We all want to be better and do better. But what about actually seeing as he saw, not by only understanding what he was telling us through Scripture, but by what he did by actually putting yourself in the place and seeing through his eyes. We read through Scripture all throughout the New Testament, all the prophecies in the Old Testament, and we see that it, what exactly Jesus did. We read about it. But how about, how about actually taking ourselves and placing ourselves in that very place with what Jesus did throughout Scripture? To see as he saw. In essence, that when we read, we literally place ourselves in that place seeing and doing as what Jesus did by having the mind of Christ. Some would say that for those who really like to read novels, it can be easy to place yourself in a place of the writer or the main character of the book that you begin to sometimes know what the next move will be. Some of you here today probably love reading different types of novels. I don't know what kind they're. Scary novels, intense novels, uh, love novels. I don't know, whatever it may be. But how many times have you found yourself in the place of the character that's there in that book? To the point to where you feel as though you can relate to the individual who's being portrayed as the main character. You find yourself in that zone. If you study someone as if you were to profile them, say, you work for the FBI or CIA. The more you're around them and the more you begin to understand how they go about doing things and how they act and react, you begin to develop an understanding of how they think to the point of knowing their next move. When you're in the place of in that area where, say, if you again go back to the point and say, I'm an FBI agent or I'm a CIA agent, what is the one thing that these individuals have to do to be able to better understand the individual that they're pursuing. They have to begin to know who this individual is. And the scary part about it is they have to almost become who this person is so that they can understand the very next move and to be able to capture the individual that needs to be caught. It's a scary moment when you have to place yourself and think like this individual so that you can find yourself in the moment of having the ability to capture this individual, developing the mind of an individual who uh, steals or kills or does whatever it may be, that the hardest part is placing yourself in that place, in that position. But they do it in order so they better understand the person that they're, they're proceeding and they can study them to know their next move in the same way for it. That if we want to have the mind of Christ, what must we do as individuals and Christians? We must study the word of God and study every move 
that Jesus made here in the New Testament that if we want to be Christ-like and Christ-minded, we have to learn to think like Christ, act like Christ, react like Christ, speak like Christ, and to be like Christ. That if we want to be Christians, what, what is the meaning of Christian? Christ-like. We can't be called Christian if we're not willing to study the Word of God and to study what it means to be Christ-like and to study the one that we proclaim to serve and to live, live for. We have to be Christ-like and Christ-minded. You can do the very same thing with Jesus based solely again, like we talked about, on the life he lived here throughout Scripture. We see just how much he loved others. We see that he was willing to go to great lengths for others. We see how passionate he was not only for his father, but for his children as well, which is you and me. He lived a sinless life, which is hard and impossible for many, if not all. But he lived a life that was complete a re representation of his father. Friend, this morning, we looked at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where Zechariah prophesied of the coming king being Jesus Christ. But the interesting thing about this is that you will find out what was the one thing that the people cried out that when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, they cried out, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Hosanna means save us. But one thing you will find out is that when Jesus rode into the city, it says they laid palm branches down, they laid their cloaks down, and when people did that, it was a sign of respect because of the, of the type of person who was coming in as a person of, of integrity, a person of royalty. It was what people did out of respect and of high regard. But one thing that we must understand in this moment is that when Jesus was entering this city, we see that he came in triumphantly. But it was only the beginning of what he would have to, to go through in that week to come. That the same people who were crying out, save us, they were hoping for a, per, a personal king to truly take, a physical king to truly take over kingship over the Jews. But what Jesus was doing is he was coming in as a rightful king, a victorious king, and a humble and meek king. He came in knowing what he was about to face and what he was about to endure. But the one thing that people didn't know and that some people didn't understand that, yes, he was entering the city as king, but he was entering the city as the eternal king. Some people thought this guy, Jesus, was coming to save us from Roman rule, but yet they didn't understand that he was coming to save them for eternity. He is the rightful king to be Christ-minded, to know that when you walk into the city, when you walk into Jerusalem and people are praising you, the same people that were praising him and crying out, Hosanna, son of David, they would be the same ones that would cry out, crucify him. The same ones. But to be Christ-minded is the fact that when you see Christ enter the city, knowing what he already knew, that he was still able and willing to be able to lay down his life as a sacrifice so that we can in turn learn how to be a living sacrifice for him here and now. And as he was showing us and displaying the purity of who he really is, that despite even though people would mock him and people would rebuke him and people would cry crucify him, he still displayed a love beyond measure. 
And to have the mind of Christ, that we've got to think like him. In essence, when we go through our life every day, and when hell and high water comes, we have to ask ourselves, can I still represent and reflect the life of Christ and to be Christ-minded throughout our day? It's hard. It's hard, friend. When people get on your nerves, you know people in your life who get on your ever-living last nerve. You have people on in your life where you're just like, man, Lord, would you just do something with them? But yet we've got to have the ability and the strength and the knowledge to know that if we are Christians, we have to remain Christ-minded every day, making a choice and decisions to be a living sacrifice, willing to lay down self and say, Jesus, I choose you. Friend, you have to understand that if for us as Christians and us as a church body, it's more than just coming to church and doing your part. It's easy to come to church, but friend, church only does so much. Church can't save you, friend. Just coming to church day in, day out, every week is not going to be your golden ticket to heaven. We have to be, in order to have, we have to be Christ-minded that when we come in, I love the song when he says, you don't need an invitation. That's a powerful song. But yet we as Christians have to come in with expectancy, knowing that we, our God doesn't need an invitation to be here. We want certain things to happen to make things happen. Friend, you can't force the hand of God to make things happen. But you have to come in with expectancy and to have the mind of Christ saying, Jesus, this moment belongs to you. And I come with a heart open and willing to receive what you have for me. That in this moment, my prayer is that you would not only speak to me, but you would touch my heart deep within. That you would awaken my heart and burn with inside of me a revival that it cannot be quenched because I choose to have the mind of Christ. Scott can't save you. I can't save the people at my church. But what I can do is pray that the same God that we serve would come from his throne and meet you right where you are. Colossians chapter 3 explores what it means to set your mind on things above, enabling us to experience the true joy of the Father. The Father wants us to, and he wants to lavish on us. Furthermore, when we set our eyes on him, we are better able to serve him. And service is ultimately the duty and pleasure of every believer. That when we have the mind of Christ, it then gives us a blessing and point to where he gives us joy and peace and the willingness to serve. To where service is not so much a dread, but a service is something we look forward to. We see just how he sees us by the grace and mercy displayed through many instances throughout the gospel. And in knowing of all of this, we then can put ourselves in his place and begin to not only see how Jesus sees, but also think how he thinks. The way Jesus thinks is not only focusing on doing what is right, but he always thinks of others, his children, that he would rather be about their business and where they are. This is a true depiction of a rightful king. 
someone who thinks of others than of him of himself, who was willing to come off of his throne and to meet you right where you are. He didn't do it because he knew he had to do it. He did it because of the compassion and love and grace and mercy he had for all of us here today. That is a true king. To be kingdom-minded, we have to learn to put our thoughts on what's above, and that is by learning and knowing that this will mean that we have to have the mind of Christ thinking the way that he thinks. When we begin to understand the way he thinks, we begin to develop traits of who Jesus is. When you're around someone who has a great influence on you in your life, you want to be like them. Why? Because you see just how much you value them. Their wisdom, their personality, their discernment, their countenance, and how they carry themselves. Not only do I want to be more and more like Jesus, but there were moments in my life when I was at Open Doors, a youth pastor, where I said, I want to be just like Pastor Steve. One thing I learned about Pastor Steve when he was here in his time here on earth, I began to see the, the ultimate personality, but I began to see the very traits of Jesus Christ in his life. You knew that when you walked in the room, when you were with him, you knew that you saw Jesus inside of him. Why? Because he had the mind of Christ. And when he was able to develop and understand what it was to be Christ-minded, he at the same time was able to develop those things into his personal life, where then it, in essence what happened was he began to develop those distinct personality and traits that when you are around Jesus all the time, you develop the traits of who Jesus is. When you study the word of God and you begin to see who Jesus is, your life can't help but begin to develop the very traits of who Jesus is by developing, saying, Jesus, I want to be Christ-minded. I want to be where I have your mind, where I think like you. Let me, let me be able to fully understand exactly who you are, the way you think, how you thought, what your plans were, everything about where I can then begin to develop the very traits of who you are. But as our passage for, the, for this evening so that tells us uh, this in verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul wants us to understand that our minds will, be, will determine our well-being. The only source for a victorious new mind is where Jesus is and that he is seated at the right hand of God. This means we need to set our minds on things from above rather than the things that are temporary and the earthly things. We will need to sort out and evaluate the very things that are worthless and yet are who, things that are worth it to us. It's kind of like going through your home and preparing for a yard sale. You have what was once something that was important to you, but now it seems like it's only taking up space and we wonder if it's really worth it to us or not. How many of you here this evening have ever bought on impulse. You said you have got to have what you saw. It's going to help me and whatever whatever you, it was that you were wanting to buy, I need to have this. But when you bought it, you brought it home, you didn't even take it out of the box. And then it sits on the counter or sits on the, the shelf and you begin to ask yourself, is this thing really important to me? The one thing that we will understand is by having the mind of Christ Jesus will then take inventory of your heart and tell you what is of importance and what is not. He will then have you begin to evaluate the important things in your life. And by asking you this one thing, is this what you are a part of? Will it help you out eternally? 
Or is it just something that's temporary that will only eventually become a distraction in your life by pulling you away from the very things and plans I have for you? Sometimes things that seem innocent in our lives that seem as though it's simplistic and it's like this is no problem, but yet if we give leeway to those things and we begin to fully place our attention on those things, we will then begin to develop something that begins to take our very minds off of the very things of what Christ wants us to intend, where we would rather spend more time involved with whatever we have in our lives by being on this, this silly thing called Facebook or the silly thing on being on, 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 on your Internet or doing certain things, whatever it may be that you are involved in, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. In the same way, we need to look, we need to need, need to relook at the things in our lives and see what room needs to be made. And this can be done by placing our attention and focus on the very things above, seeking the very face of God. Trust me, God will make known what needs to go and what needs to say, stay in your life. I had a teacher one time tell me when I was in Bible college, he said, Mike, he said, let me tell you something. You have to be careful what you place in your life or what you allow in your life. Because the things that we allow in our life, that even though they seem simple, can sometimes be the very things that our enemy uses to distract us. And there's nothing more the enemy wants to do than distract us and to pull our minds off the very things of Christ. He wants to hinder you by making it seem as though it's simple, it's easy, it's pure, it's okay. But over time, when we give into those things by, say, watching things on TV that we shouldn't be watching, or watching different episodes on TV because it's something we like to do, versus when the Lord knocks on your heart's door and says, I need you to turn to your word. I'm calling on you to pray. I need you to pray. But yet when we choose those things over the very things of God, we then begin to miss out on what God has for us. That moment when you could have turned to your word and God was going to speak to you through a moment in the past is maybe you're going through an instance in your life and you were praying this this morning, say, God, I need to hear from you because I'm going through this test and this trial. I need to be able to hear a word from you. But then when God says turn to your word, but then you choose a TV show over God's word, how can God choose to speak to you if you won't even listen to what he wants to tell you? That when you want to have the mind of Christ, you have to be willing to play aside the very pleasures of life that you have and saying, God, I choose you over the things that bring me pleasure. But I have to understand that the things that bring me pleasure are not things that are going to lead me to heaven. Maybe God was called upon you to pray for someone, to stand in for someone who may be at a point of suicide. And God has chosen you to stand in the gap by saying, Jesus I don't know who I'm praying for, but the person you placed upon my life, I pray that you would begin to touch them. Let your love surround them. Lord, captivate them. And in that moment when we choose a TV, TV channel over praying for someone who needs Jesus Christ in their life, their blood, their blood is on your hands, not mine. To have the mind of Christ. To think like he thinks. When you see throughout the Gospels, Jesus always 
obviously we know who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. He was 100% man and 100% God. We know the statues he lived. But at the same time, when you read throughout the Gospels of Jesus Christ, Jesus always made time for those who needed him. He made it a special point to be with them right where they are. And the same thing, how can we display Jesus Christ if we're not even willing to get up off a recliner and to be like Jesus? What we see here in our passage also is Paul approaching the church of Colossians and remind, reminding really who it is that they live, or that they live for. They were beginning to set their minds on things below because of the many influences around them. But what is being said here about setting our minds on things above above is this. Setting our mind on things above means striving to put heaven's priorities into daily practice. Setting our minds on things above means concentrating on the eternal rather than the temporal, the temporary. And what I'm about to share with you is not to brag on myself or to pat myself on the back, but when you begin to place your mind on the things of God, he speaks to you in ways that only he can speak to you for moments that are such as this. This past Friday, the Lord directed me to visit someone from our church. I didn't know why, but I did, and I was submissive to what the Lord wanted me to do. And when I got into this individual's house, the first thing that they said to me was this, Mike, we have been praying for someone to come from our church to pray for us. In those moments, I could have easily rejected this into, into it feeling that Jesus was directing me and missed an opportunity. But when God calls us to do something, friend, we need to do it. I'll share a quick story about a, a, an experience I had when I was in Bible college. We were in Savannah, Georgia, and we were uh, helping a church as they were preparing for, uh, an, I guess you'd call it a revival service or an awakening service. And the evangelist that was there at that moment uh, encouraged all of us to go out that day and to hand out free light bulbs. As, as petty as that may sound, as silly as that sound, it really opened the door. When he knocked on people's door, we said, we want us to give you a free light bulb. They look at you like you're crazy. Well, why are you giving me a free light bulb, right? But then we had the opportunity to tell them, we want to give you a light bulb to let you know that Jesus is light of the world. In that simple moment, we were able to be able to reach a lot of people and have an open door to pray for people by just giving them a simple, a simple free light bulb. Light bulbs don't cost a whole lot, right? But anybody takes anything that's for free, right? But here's the most important thing. While we had finished with this one house, I began to walk down the pathway from this home and a car passed by and something just told me to raise my hand and wave at this gentleman with a smile on my face. Don't know why I just did. As we walked around the corner, and this same gentleman, four houses down, was parked. And he looked at me and says, are you an angel? I said, well, no, <laughs> not that I know of. He said, I want to tell you something. There's a countenance about you. I want you to know that by what you did, saved me. I said, what do you mean? So I'm a backslidden preacher who's about to commit suicide. He said, but just because you raised your hand and waved at me with that smile, it gave me hope to know that Jesus still loves me. We've got to be open to the very things that God has for us to be Christ-minded. 
Paul also reminds us that when we put our, our minds on things above and having the mind of Christ, we must also know that we are dying to the very things that once led us and influenced us. We are dying to old self, and not only are we taking on the cross of Jesus, but also submitting to the very mind and nature of Jesus. For you have died means that we should have little desire for the, for the world as someone who has passed from this life would have. Our real home is where Jesus is. Brother Matt could care less about what's going on in this world right now, amen? He could care less. He's in a better place. But when you die to self and when you die for the, for the cause of Christ, it means the same thing, that we have little desire for what the world has to offer. To set our minds on things above means to look at, at life from God's perspective and to seek his desires. Just as it talks about in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else be added unto you. When we seek first his kingdom, we then begin to develop the mind of Christ by only desiring what he desires. Not only does he desire you, but everyone around you as well. The word set in Greek means to seek after. Seek after. When it says, when you go back to the message, seek first the kingdom and everything else unto you. When you set your mind on Christ, it means to seek after. I told Scott this, I believe it was in the van as we were heading home from, from Winter Jam. But I've heard someone say this. It says, believers need to be tuned in to HBN, or commonly known as Heavenly Broadcasting Network. We need to be tuned into it to receive the data needing for daily living. The problem is that too many of us are frequently change the channel to faulty programming, which then causes the other channels to become cloudy or not coming at all. Bless their hearts. <coughs> Scott <coughs> Scott and I can tell you that there is a certain commercial on the bridge that we tend to turn off all the time. Nothing against this church. I'm not speaking against it. But when it's always about the school at uh, Heart of Worship, bless their hearts, it gets old. We want to turn it off. We get tired of hearing it, right? But when we turn off that channel, turn off that radio, when will be the next time we turn it back on? even though it drives us nuts hearing the same commercial every 30 to 15 minutes. But if we turn that radio off and we don't turn it back on, what are we missing? What data did we not get downloaded or what data we did not receive or what song did we not hear that can make a change in our life? It's hard to think clearly when there's noise going on around you, but when we place our thoughts on things above and the very things of God, it doesn't matter what noises may be going on. The clarity of your thoughts are not fumbled because our mind is in unison with the Father. Having unison and unity is vital for everyone. It is good for where you work. It is very important for any church. It is important for any sport. Having this quality of one mind and one heart not only keeps you in tune, but allows you to hear the very heartbeat of the Father. The result of the Asbury Revival is not based on experience, but on setting our minds on what's above. The very beauty and presence of God through this, it not only allows us to see as Jesus sees, but allows us to see ourselves the way he sees us. We may not like what we see, but by his blood, you have been forgiven and cleansed and redeemed. You may not like the way you see yourself in the mirror, but to have the mind of Christ, 
we have to see as he sees that even though we may not like what we see, he loves what he sees. He sees someone that he can use. He sees someone as a vessel. He sees a son and daughter of Christ. This very same new image is the very same image Jesus desires to see in everyone because in him and through him, all people can have the same experience. When it tells us in verse 3 that we have to die, it means that when you ultimately made the choice to follow Jesus, you made the decision to die to old self and take on the new self being Jesus. We then take on the opportunity to not only have new life, but have a new way of thinking. Thinking how Jesus would think. Most of us remember growing up, and we still have it in Rome. We wear this bracelet called WWJD. As silly as it seemed before, it has a true meaning and a true illustration that when we wear a bracelet that says WWJD, it puts you, puts you in perspective that when you're about to do something that you know probably isn't right, and you look at your wrist that says WWJD, you begin to ask yourself, is this really what Jesus would do? To be kingdom-minded and for us to have the ability to advance the kingdom, we need to set our thoughts on things above. We have this intellect that it is no longer just about me, but about saving others from a road that leads to destruction. To set our minds on things above means to literally let go and let God, that when we develop a mind to be kingdom-minded, we then no longer see as we see, we see as Jesus sees. We see in such a way to the point to where when we come up to a place of our everyday work life, when we come up to a place where we stop every day or where, where no matter what, where it may be, in your lifetime, you begin to see as Jesus sees that when you no longer see as you used to see in your carnal mind, you see through the eyes of Christ. And when you see through the eyes of Christ, you see people differently because then you begin to develop a, a sincere compassion that truly longs for the very hearts and lives of the people that you see every day. That you don't have to sit there and pull, pick, and pry, but when you walk up to someone, you can say, friend, I need to tell you something, Jesus In the book of Colossians, Paul reminds us that we have everything we need when we have Christ. He is all-sufficient. He is ahead overall, and he is supreme. He is greater than any other power or authority. Because of this, as Christ's followers, we have his spirit within us to equip us and to empower us to walk in freedom and light. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you, for you died and your new life is now hidden with Christ Jesus. Friend, it's time for us as churches to develop this. We all want to look for new things and new ways to be able to draw people in and to bring people in. I'm not going against or saying or talking against those things, but friend, I think the most important thing that every church has to do and every church needs to develop is to develop the mind of Christ because what happens is when you develop the mind of Christ, you no longer have to worry about those things that draw people in. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people in. You don't need to have a show or a party or have all these different festivals or events to draw people into your church just to make your church name known. But when you begin to develop the mind of Christ and you leave things in the hands of Jesus 
He then begins to draw people in that when people pass your church, the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of their heart and says, I need you to stop and I want you to go in because what they have inside there is exactly what you need. And when you walk through those doors, you're going to be able to feel the very depth of my love and who I am and what I mean in your, for you in your life. By having the mind of Christ is what sustains and what fulfills and what helps a church grow by having the mind of Christ, you begin to develop the very traits of who he is. You have to understand, the Bible says, I believe in Matthew chapter 8, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. For many of us, we have this thing called church competition. We've got to do certain things to be able to draw people into our church, to be able to, to, to support our name and to be able to, to go out and, and portray our name and who we are. But Frank, can I tell you something? It's not about the church name. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. People won't be able to see Jesus through a church name. People are going to see Jesus through who we display through our lives every day. That when we have the mind of Christ, they're not seeing us for who we are. They're seeing the real Jesus inside of us. And it's the real Jesus inside of us that draws them to us and say, what do you have that I see that I want? That when people go by and, and see your church, it's not the fact of how many cars they see in a parking lot, but it's based upon what they see, the reality and the truth of who Jesus Christ is inside your church. I'm all too afraid that church has become more of a casino than the house of God. And I firmly believe that God's fixing to turn tables over again. Be careful. But what we need in these days is a church to rise up and truly represent who Jesus is. We have everything we need to have the mind of Christ. All that he is, is all that we need. So now within, so now in this, that what about us going out and telling others about Jesus and what he means to us? It's time to value what we have. And friend, what we have, can I tell you, has never been proven wrong. You can't disprove it. You can't lie on it. It's truth. It's our word. And it's time for us to take what we've been given and truly to be the mind, have a mind of Christ, to think like Jesus, to go out and to do as he's called us to do. Amen.